Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. All right. So let's go ahead and move into a nice posture for practice. Let's take in for a moment, like we could just sit with everybody just by taking in energetically that we're all here together. And I personally thank you for showing up this morning. This human connection in any way whatsoever is so important. And we support each other in our practice every time we show up and sit together. And as you allow your eyes to close and focusing in on the posture, letting arise whatever your intention for practice is today. And seeing if you can make this altruistic, if you have not already, that this intention can be felt by all beings and can be of benefit of all beings, to all beings. And I thought this morning we would start with a heart practice. Since our topic today is equanimity, doing a bit of meditation on equanimity. One of the four aspects of the heart. And so maybe beginning with a contemplation And starting off with the contemplation that friends can become enemies. Enemies can become friends. And strangers can become loved ones. really equalize our loving kindness to all beings.
friends can become enemies, unfortunately. Enemies can become friends. Strangers can become loved ones. May all beings be equal. And worthy for our love and compassion. And then the aim of equanimity is to rest the mind before it falls into extremes. And doing so by not creating a self and other. And not creating division. Allowing kindness to radiate out equally between self, loved one, neutral person, and difficult person. And allowing to come to mind an individual or a group of people that you might find it challenging to stay in a state of equanimity towards. And sometimes this can even be a loved one, a certain aspect of something arising, you might not see eye to eye 
with them. And then mentally repeating the phrase, all beings are owners of their own actions. Their happiness or unhappiness depends upon their actions, not upon my wishes. All beings are owners of their own actions. Their happiness or unhappiness depends upon their actions, not upon my wishes. learning moment to moment to hold love and openness for this person, this group of people, regardless of differences, not needing them to change, for the heart to be open and spacious. And as this person or group of people may be changing as they flew through, flow through your mind stream, contemplating the unfolding of a person's life is the result of countless knowable and unknowable and untraceable causes and conditions.
and all beings have their own journey based upon these noble and unknowable causes and conditions. And if you notice the mind having difficulty staying with equanimity towards these beings, remember to have loving kindness towards yourself. Remembering that this is a practice, sometimes a very difficult one. And it's okay to have resistance. And continue to turn towards your own mind. And if it's helpful, you can mentally repeat these phrases. May I accept and open to how it is right now. May my heart incline towards equanimity. May my heart be at ease with the inner and outer changing conditions of life.
may I accept and open to how things are right now. May my heart incline towards equanimity. May my heart be at ease with the inner and outer changing conditions of life. May I rest my mind in equanimity before it falls into extremes. So I will be silent for the remaining 10 minutes or so. And then simply noticing as you sit, if the mind can stay in a state of equanimity towards self, towards others, and towards the impermanent nature of life itself, what is arising, abiding, and falling away.
Welcome again, everybody. Um, so, so yeah, I wanted to chat a little bit about equanimity today. And we started off with the equanimity practice. And, you know, the, the equanimity practice, like we just did, is one of the Brahma Viharas and one of the heart practices. And... Um, yeah, it could be a little challenging to start with equanimity. I always feel f- kind of funny starting with that one because <clears throat> it, in a way it's it's kind of a, an extreme practice um, because it really merges the heart and, and the wisdom to try to be okay with everything just as it is. Um, it's, a, it's a nice aspiration, but it can be very difficult. Um, it's kind of like we're jumping ahead to the to the end of the path in a way with equanimity. Um, but of course it's a, it's a very beautiful practice to do on a relative level. Um, I do want to say before I start, I, um, I had some dental work done and they gave me this retainer and this is the second time I tried to speak with it. So, um, I'm doing my best not to have like a, I feel like I have a lisp or something, but, um, so we'll, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. Oh, good. I'm getting a thumbs up. So it's not, not so bad. It feels really weird, but, (laughs) um, but yeah, do my best. I I actually want to talk today. Um, we're going to kind of go through the basics for those that are, that are not so familiar with equanimity, but I want to talk, um, about bodhicitta and, and the causes and conditions for equanimity to arise kind of like, um, more of the origin and then the core um, understanding and, and the core motivation that we could hold in our heart mind so equanimity can can arise naturally but before that let's just do a little review and we could kind of go get on the same page here with some of the aspects of equanimity um, and I will say this is that equanimity shows up in different ways on the path I mentioned the Brahma Viharas, um, which means heavenly abodes, and these these aspects of the heart. It also shows up um, in, in other pieces of the path, which I'm going to kind of go over next. But um, uh, Don, if you don't mind, and I know this is going to maybe be broken up, um, but yeah, the the equanimity piece, the first thing that I sent, yeah. Yeah, we could do the definition first. And you don't need to put in the people, like the one through five um, categories, just a definition. Thank you, Don, for helping on the technical end of things. Super nice. Um, yeah, trying to utilize this chat feature. You guys can copy and paste the things that we're talking about. Kind of nice to be able to see it out in front of you. Um, while we'll talk while we're talking about it um as don's bringing that up i'll just kind of say that first line out loud in which i brought up in the meditation which is equanimity is to rest the mind before it falls into extremes it is spacious it is a spacious calming balance 
an evenness of heart-mind towards all beings and conditions. And uh, one reason I want to bring it up is because, you know, we're living in a world of extremes. Um, right now, it just seems like it's very polarizing and whatnot. And this idea of equanimity and this energy of equanimity, I would really love um, for it to be more pronounced in our society, <laughs> to say the least right now. Um, and, and I love this line, rest the mind before it falls into extremes. Very, very beautifully put. Um, equanimity is spacious. It's a spacious calming balance and evenness of heart-mind towards all beings and conditions. And maybe if we could read this, you know, when you're hearing those words, really feel how you could just feel intellectually or contemplate intellectually how that would feel um, to, to live in that mind state, uh, which is, uh, which is spaciousness, spacious um, and, and feeling that evenness uh, towards all beings and all conditions. And this is another aspect of this practice, which is quite expansive, is that when we're doing this, when we're doing the other heart practices, really we're just talk, really connecting with individuals and doing loving kindness and compassion practice, for example, towards other, other human beings. But when we open it up to equanimity, we're really trying to, to meet all causes and conditions, all phenomena with a balanced mind. So this is the aim. <clears throat> Traditionally speaking, depending on the tradition, um, there'll be an emphasis on accepting people just as they are and, and, and accepting their path as it is. So in other words, if we give our love and compassion to others, we need to accept that they're on their own path, they're on their own journey, and we don't know what led them to that, and we don't know what it means for them in the future. So our quote-unquote job here is to love unconditionally. And so, Don, if you want to bring up the, the slogans after that, that would be great. Um, yeah, you could bring up the, the first traditional all beings, our owners, other actions. Yeah, just that first one's enough. The other ones are really similar. So all beings are the owners of their actions. Um, their happiness or unhappiness depends on their actions, not upon my wishes. So it's even, even if we have this idea of how we want someone to be and we think this is going to bring their happiness, bring them happiness, um, we have to realize the wisdom of interdependence and, and karma and, and all this, all these other aspects. So we're not in control of that, right? Um, in, in the Tibetan tradition, there's a, there's a heavier focus on actually balancing um, the view of seeing, seeing all beings as equal. Um, and we started off with that today, which friends can become enemies, enemies can become friends, and, uh, loved, and strangers can become loved ones. So there's an emphasis on just seeing everybody as equal. And, you know, both of these... Um, really cultivate the precursor to compassion, which is empathy. You know, both, and I think, you know, obviously we're lacking in empathy uh, just to an incredible degree right now, like not being able to see 
the suffering of of um, of each other. You know, not being able to relate um, to to others. Um, it's very profound. I think this lack of empathy right now. Um, we want people to to change and to kind of be in our version of how they you know how they should be. We're not loving people as they are. And then also to um, yeah, we're we're definitely not seeing people. And I'm talking about like society right now, and um, yeah, maybe not just right now, <laughs> but uh, throughout all time. You know, not being able to um, really open our hearts and see everybody equally as deserving of our love. You know, our our loved ones really are deserving. Um, our enemies are not deserving. But we see in all in all traditions and all religions this simple phrase of love your enemy. Right, because love is is not conditional, right? In this very very core aspect, and then this 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 last piece, um, yeah, Don, if you could just uh, move into the phrases at the end, you know, may I accept things as they are right now. Um, and again, we're just kind of finish off with this review on on how equanimity moves into relating to all phenomena. So equanimity really is um, the, this, this state of the mind that is equanimous through all the ups and downs of, of life, right? It's this even keelness. And of course, this really moves into our connection with the true nature of mind, um, which is this compassionate awareness itself, and more into the ultimate uh, reality. May I accept and be open to how it is right now. May my heart incline towards equanimity. May my heart be at ease with the inner and outer changes, conditions of life. So what are some ways, some, some practices um, that allow us to get to this place? So this is what I want to talk about next. How do we get here? So this is equanimity. Uh, for one, how do we get here is to practice things like this on a relative way, kind of repeating these phrases and and these intentions. And little by little, we we have a little bit better understanding of them experientially, like as we as we contemplate them, right? And these. Um, I guess I want to I want to hit upon the seven factors for a moment. I don't mean to, um, or maybe I won't, just because I think it'll be too much. Depending on the tradition, um, we speak a lot about non-grasping mind um, in the the Zen tradition, Theravada tradition, um, uh, you know, Mahayana Tibetan tradition. There's a big emphasis on non-grasping mind. Um, simply not following thoughts, emotions, and body sensations, and resting in true awareness. Um, in, in the Mahayana tradition, especially Tibetan Buddhism, there's a big emphasis on um, the Bodhisattva way of life, you know, becoming the Bodhisattva and Bodhicitta, which is really anchoring the mind in this intention um, to attain enlightenment for the benefit of all beings. And I want to talk more about that today. Because I feel like, even though um, they're all they're all relevant, 
certain teachings at certain times might have more impact on where we we place the mind and and we need to kind of look at this for ourselves and see which which teaching uh, would be most impactful for us at this time um, but I'm just gonna kind of present the argument that this would be awesome <laughs> to focus on um, especially in the next few weeks um, uh, so I just want to hit upon that a little bit and Don if you don't mind um, you can go ahead and post that Choigam Chupa uh, Bodhisattva quote if you don't mind cool so Choigam Chupa you know just kind of this really um, uh, familiar understanding of what it, what it is to be a Bodhisattva of course um, Okay, uh, yeah, a Bodhisattva is a person who lives in the spirit of Buddhism's Bodhisattva vow, committing to put others before oneself, to give up one's own well-being, even owns one's own enlightenment for the sake of others. Um, so this, this core motivation, you know, this motivation is is like in the Tibetan Buddhist path, it's kind of like the whole path, you know, that this is, this is everything. Um, this intention is everything and everything moves and springs forth out of this intention. And it's kind of like, um, it's kind of a trick. <laughs> Buddha was so skillful in so many different ways. And the, the trick here is that um, by releasing you know, our, our self-motivation to attain enlightenment for our only ourself and to be of benefit only of ourselves by releasing this and instead focusing on the well-being of all beings. By doing so, we actually liberate our own mind. <laughs> so, it's, it's, you know, it's, um, it's very profound. And uh, Buddha was a trickster in, in, in a lot of ways, how he worded things. And, um, you know, it's, it's almost, it reminds me of this definition of mindfulness being non-judgmental. Um, mindfulness is automatically non-judgmental. You know, we can't have mindfulness and bear awareness and, and have judgment at the same time. Um, but some things are explicit and, and implicit. And so, you know, obviously ourselves are included in this affirmation, in this aspiration. Ourselves are automatically included when, when, we, when we say all beings. But this this self-cherishing aspect which is which when we have this self-cherishing intention that i wish to attain enlightenment for myself the, the next thing or or when we just have self-cherishing in general then what comes along with that is the me and the mine and the me and the mine that mind piece all that grasping that's what turns to attachment and anger and the us versus them mentality. That is what breaks us apart from, um, or doesn't allow that um, uh, equanimous mind to arise naturally. So it, it's as if, you know, when we have that, self, that self-cherishing aspect of mind, the mind is dividing itself, right? This is why, you know, it's all that emphasis on the, the natural state of mind um, is open, is spacious, it's free, um, but in a very, uh, very direct way, we divide the mind. The moment we put divisions on 
Um, our, our love and, and compassion, as soon as we put fences up, walls up, as soon as we say, you know, that this person's okay, this person's not so, not so okay, as soon as we put those boundaries up, we are dividing the mind. And how much we see of our true nature is in direct correlation uh, to the, the boundaries of our love and compassion. Right? Um, and this is all built around what we feel like we need to protect. Right? The more we feel like we need to protect, the more hope and fear arises. And there's more, the more division um, arises along with it. And along with all of that is all the ignorance, right? All the ignorance and, and the anger and delusion, you know? And so the, the opposite of this, just this pure intention that may I do, may I, I live for the benefit of freeing all beings, it is purifying and transforming the mind with every single time we make contact with this vow, with this bodhisattva vow, right? We're coming in, into contact with the mind that is naturally um, in equanimity every single time we make contact with this vow. I'm just reminded of a story. I don't know if it, if it fits here. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. I'll just tell it anyway. <laughs> um, Yogananda would tell this story of, of Krishna. And supposedly Krishna loved cheese. He loved these cheeses. And so a group of the disciples had, uh, you know, had this special cheese ready for Krishna. And, and Krishna could not get to them. Uh, there was a, a river uh, on his journey. And the river had, had rose. And um, he wasn't able to cross the river. So the disciples were bummed because they were really stoked, you know, to give Krishna this cheese. And um, then one of, the, one of the disciples of Krishna there, he ate the cheese. And uh, the other disciples were yelling at him, you know, like, why did you eat the cheese? That was for Krishna. It was Krishna's cheese. And, and so, a, you know, a couple of days later or something, Krishna makes it to them, right? He, he's able to cross the river. He makes it to them. And he, he thanks them. He said, you know, whoever gave me that cheese, I really appreciate it. Thank you. I really enjoyed the cheese. <laughs> and it was, you know, Yoga and I would tell this story and he would say, like, whatever you do, give it to God. Like, whatever you do, give it, give it up to, to God. Give it up to, to all, all beings. We could say, you know, God is this infinite potentiality, right? Give it to the benefit of all, to all things, right? And so by the power of this intention, this disciple was able to give this offering up to, to Krishna. And so we have to move with this intention that we have this universal goodwill um, in our heart mind when we're going through all of our activities, right? Um, it's not uh, an on-the-cushion thing. It, it, this, this intention is a 24-7 thing, right? And we could bring everything into this, this intention. And one thing that came up to me as I was kind of researching what I want to talk about today 
I was just reading some Garchen Rinpoche and he was given a commentary on the Heart Sutra and uh, Lojong teachings actually together, which is pretty cool. Um, and I was reminded of the, the five powers. Like there's, there's five strengths in the Theravada tradition. Um, these are a little bit different. Um, and he really emphasizes, thank you, Don. He really emphasizes um, how this bodhisattva intention can weave throughout our daily life. And I'm going to speak to them a, a little bit here. Um, so the five powers in Lojong, determination, familiarization, the positive seed, reproach, and aspiration. Um, all of these, all you really need to remember is that they're just about that bodhisattva vow. So all of these are all in particular, they're just pointing to the, the bodhisattva way of life and the bodhisattva vow. So when we look at determination, um, it's the determination to be kind in all situations. So that's the determination. And I really love this. It's very simple, but I think it's just so beautiful how, you know, Garchen Rinpoche, he talks about this, this determination um, and, and really keeping, keeping in mind our, our um, Bodhisattva um, motivation. So I'm just going to read it, read it here. Um, and, and so he's talking about the, the, this first point. This is the key point because there are those who make a mistake here. When they do the practice, their main thought is that if they do the recitations of the manis, he's talking about that Om Mani Padme Om mantras, they believe it will help them and thereby help them develop some degree of personal attainment. It is inwardly directed, but again, it is only self-cherishing. Dharma practice, if done in this way, can even reinforce self-cherishing. Therefore, you must avoid practicing in this way. Approach any activity with the thought that you are not just doing it for yourself, but rather you do it explicitly for others. Your mind opens up completely. You say mantras for all living beings, which automatically includes yourself. This is the kind attitude, the power of kindness. The power of kindness must inform all of your deeds. It must be done with consistency and it must be done constantly. This is the advice given here in the text. When you wake up in the morning, you bring it to mind right away. Say to yourself, I am practicing Dharma. Practicing Dharma means to benefit others. What can I do today to benefit others? And I'm going to just go right into the next one, actually. They really, they really go together. So the next one is familiarization. You're familiarizing yourself with the vow every time you connect. Just, it's just like mindfulness. Like We want to familiarize ourselves with connecting to wakefulness, to mindfulness. This is becoming familiar drip by drip with the intention of benefiting all beings. And this is Garchen Rinpoche's commentary on that. Today, from now until I go to bed at night, I will avoid all self-cherishing thoughts. I will work to benefit. I will work to benefit others. Therefore, 
whatever you do, when you eat, for example, you think how you could act more beneficially to others. Whatever the activity, there is the outward orientation, the impulse to benefit others, and not that self-grasping that, that is always looking to get that best thing for yourself. Therefore, when you look at other, thing, other beings, you look at ways to benefit them. Discriminating between loved ones and strangers is an aspect of self-cherishing. Strangers should also be objects of your kindness. The power of kindness should be practiced with equanimity, that to say, the equality towards everyone. And what we're doing here is, you know, if, if we have this constant practice um, of of really wishing to, 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 to benefit others and transform our mind in a practice like this. Uh, it really takes the edge off when, 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 we're, when we have this really strong opposition um, to our own view, when we have others exhibiting a really different outlook than ourselves. Um, you know, without a practice like this that has a, that constant reminder that I'm suffering, all beings are suffering. And when we lose compassion for our own suffering and can't see the compassion, can't, therefore cannot have the compassion for others, um, there's such a strong reaction, right? But if we want to have any chance of equanimity, a practice like this has to be more consistent, right? It has to be more constant, top of mind of what are we doing here, right? Um, and what are the practices that lead to this, this equanimity? We need to practice this all the time where the mind is going to practice the opposite, right? Because it's just the habit. So the next one is um, the positive seed. Um, so this one um, is, is to pay attention to the seeds of kindness. Um, you know, There's a very classic meditation that revolves around actually this exact um, power here of, you know, the, the traditional practice would be to have a couple of different colored rocks and for the, uh, you know, the, one would denote the positive thoughts and one would denote the, the negative thoughts and really try to pay attention to, um, you know, to purifying the mind to lead to just the thoughts of kindness, right? So we want to understand um, and these positive seeds of what gives rise to kindness, all the positive seeds, and it kind of goes back to our thinking mind, right? Um, and this goes back to how um, yeah, how we connect with the kindness in our hearts um, and grow those seeds, right? So the power of just connecting with that kindness and really, usually traditionally this is taught in, 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 in the thought process. These are kind of like the, the seeds. So if we change the way our mind um, is, is kind of holding on to the positive thoughts uh, as opposed to the more negative ones, um, this will bloom into, into kindness. Uh, the next one is reproach. Um, th this one is this kind of aspiration to slough off any 
you know, there's one, one phrase along with this one, if I remember, it's kind of like all at once, like leaving all my negative attributes, um, all, all at once. And, you know, especially when, um, abandoning, I, I wrote, took a note here, abandoning the negative qualities, especially letting go of illuminating the negative aspects of others, not to talk about others' weak points. Um, so again, we are seeing the goodness in others and having compassion for them. And so in one of our negative qualities is actually seeing um, the negative aspects in, in other people. So it's this really strong motivation to let go and abandon the unwholesome with this kind of feeling of all at once, like just really making that strong commitment um, that I'm not going to, to really keep cultivating seeing the unwholesome in others, but seeing their positive qualities and also letting go of my own um, quote-unquote negative habits. And the last one is aspiration. Uh, a lot of times you'll just see the word prayer here. And this is the, the, the prayer to dedicate um, to really help all beings. And this is through, in practice, this is through dedicating the merit. Um, so when we end the meditations, we dedicate the merit. Um, any you know, goodness or wisdom cultivated today, I dedicate the merit that it goes to all beings everywhere. But in this practice and this aspiration, it's done 24-7. So like, um, you know, we could dedicate the merit of, um, you know, some Rinpoche's, everything they do, like in, before you eat, you know, you actually send out intentionally um, that this food is for all beings. You know, if you are washing something, you're purifying the karma of all beings, right? So there's an aspiration there to dedicate all the merit and all the goodness of every activity for the benefit of all beings. Okay, so I'm going to leave a little extra time here. Um, well, actually, we can go to breakout rooms, have a couple like poems and stuff. But I, I want to go into breakout rooms today um, and maybe just bring, you know, just hear from each other um, and our own wisdom of how are we staying loving and kind. And we might want to, <laughs> you know, I know myself, I'm, I'm not staying loving and kind all the time like I want to, right? I'm really striving. I'm doing my best. Um, and but um, but maybe we could focus on the positive <laughs> and um, and maybe sharing um, yeah how are you how are you staying kind and loving what and, and it, this could just be by you know something that you're striving towards um, during during this time it might be a teaching it might be um, something that you're really reading or or um, uh, just just contemplating how, how, how can we stay kind and loving uh, and balanced when we might you know, think a bit differently than, than, than other people. Maybe we can all come together and share some of the things and also share our challenges too to this, right? Because it's, it's difficult. Bye, Dawn. See you. Um, so yeah, so we're we're gonna go into really small groups, and then um, 
yeah, we'll we'll reconvene after that. Yeah. All right. Welcome back, everybody. You look filled with equanimity. <laughs> uh, all right. We have some time. It'd be nice if you, if anyone would like to share what came up for them uh, with the larger group. That'd be great. If you have for it, you could just kind of raise your hand or try to see everybody. Yeah, Julie. Hi, Casey. Thanks for having me here today. It's my first time, so it's nice to be here with you all. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Um, I was just bringing up in our small group, and Bob, you were mentioning, kind of answering one of the questions I had, and I was hoping to hear the rest of what you had to say, but I would love to hear from you, Casey, and the rest of the group. At the very beginning of our sit, you were mentioning how friends become, can become enemies, enemies can become friends, loved ones can become strangers. And I had, and I was waiting for you to say, in, or I'm sorry, you said strangers could become loved ones. And I was waiting for you to say, and loved ones could become strangers. And mm -hmm. I was wondering what, in terms of the practice and the teachings, why that wasn't stated. It was just a question that was interesting to me. Mm -hmm. um, and Bob, you were mentioning something about, in terms of the practice of equanimity, why that might be. So I'm curious about that. Yeah. Um, I know, Bob, did you want to keep going with where you're headed with it? Well, my, my, what came up for me was, um, based on the practice itself, is that um, strangers become loved ones. And loved ones can um, essentially become strangers, but based on the practice of equanimity, we still have love um, flowing for them. So they're not really, a like it's not a stranger, but they are in the distance, but it's along with the practice of equanimity, accepting that their decisions are their karma. So essentially they, they are strangers, but we still have a love that developed for them. That's kind of what came up just for me with that. Because I wondered that too on the second run. <laughs> yeah, actually, I think in, in in some you know some people do put put it in there um, actually, but um, you, you know you can. It's kind of like the meta phrases. If it works for you, you could definitely you know you could add those types of things. Um, I, I think they were they're really pointing to kind of extremes actually there, because um, equanimity is before the mind falls into extremes. And so they're kind of pointing to the extremes. Uh, the, you know, the friends can become enemies, enemies can become friends, strangers can become you know, loved ones. Those are kind of the more extremes and, um, and we're kind of pointing to that and that we could love through all of that. And yeah, and then if that happens to be the case where a loved one is a stranger, then um, you know, we could love through that too. It incorporates that too, if you want to add that in, <laughs> no problem. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, Anthony. Oh, I think you might be muted. Thank you. No in Zen, one of the more extreme practices is to try to continue meditating throughout the day by using a koan, which is a question. 
um, or chanting or, well, you can't really chant throughout the day, but using a mantra, there's, there's different techniques to cut off thought. But, you know, it seems to me that one of the easiest ways to have equanimity is to not be thinking. <laughs> and it, it's just an experience that you can have. For example, if you're sitting in your apartment for the weekend and you cut off thought for Saturday and Sunday, you realize that there's, there's no attachment, there's no aversion, there's no delusive thoughts, there's nothing that you're holding on to and you can't fall into extremes uh, because, you know, the thought doesn't lead to another thought, doesn't lead to a feeling, doesn't lead to a, a mood or an emotion or a state of mind or, you know, doesn't take you down a negative path. So there's, there's uh, different ways to, uh, to play with that. And I, I really enjoyed what you said about uh, a bodhisattva's focus is on helping other people. Mm -hmm. um, you know, one of the first of the four vows that they say in Zen practices, sentient beings are numberless, I vow to save them all. And basically, like you said, it's like a trick. Uh, it, when you become enlightened, there are no sentient beings. You become one with everything and everyone. But by seeing yourself as a separate entity and just trying to make yourself happy, that's the easiest way to make yourself unhappy. <laughs> there's, there's actually some uh, research that's been done on uh, happiness. And when people try to focus on making themselves happy, since, since uh, wanting is endless, they are constantly coming up with something else. If I just had that, I'd be happy. And if I just had that, I'd be happy. Versus uh, trying to make other people happy and people feel very fulfilled uh, yeah. by that focus. Uh, instead of trying to make this imaginary self happy, they are trying to make others happy and then they realize they're they're one with those other people as well yeah thank Wonderful. you thank you yeah you know i like what you started out with 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 its non-grasping mind you know like the the mind of of um not following thoughts um, i think this is the kind of the, the beauty of seeing both of those paths as as one like when we when we focus on the the heart um same thing, you know, we open up into the heart and, and with this equanimity of, of loving kindness, and then we have the equanimity of non-judgment of thoughts, you know. Um, I really love seeing this compassion and, and wisdom arising in, in different flavors, but, um, but, but the same. And I think depending on, upon the practitioner, you know, we can kind of, some people are more, you know, more bhakti or devotional or heart-based and and that's a good doorway. Um, some really like to abide in, in, in awareness and that's wonderful too, you know, both good. Thank you. Uh, Bob? Uh, just to go on the question of how to stay in, in loving kindness and one, one simple thing I do is just kind of uh, watch, watch what I'm listening to, watch what I'm putting my attention on, um, just news and things like that. I know 
to, we want to stay in the know, but sometimes, you know, we kind of get the answer of, of what we're looking for, but we stay on the feeds or we stay on that YouTube channel or things like that. Just being very aware of where we're putting our attention and um, we're very aware of um, who we're engaging with. I mean, if you know they don't agree with you, you, you know, maybe there's no battle to be won at that. We can kind of just simply see, see where we do agree and, and, and see our humanity. Um, and also just playing just super positive music or just, you know, being just a little bit more positive stuff to reinforce that loving attitude, you know. Um, but I think that's been big for me, too, is kind of engage, seeing where I'm engaging with people and really trying to see those questions on Facebook. They're, they're just they're just hooks. I feel like <laughs> it's just bait, you know. Um, but yeah, just just being aware of that and seeing that because I found myself on YouTube like really charged, just looking for stuff. I'm like, what am I feeling? Like, what what kind of energy am I filling up here? You know, um, but but doing that and that and that I feel keeps me grounded for my family. And then you know when I'm out on the road and other people and you know just the world. Wonderful. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for all of those those beautiful examples and uh, that's beautiful like real world examples of. Uh, on the, the list of the lojong powers of the positive seeds like um th those are all really cool examples of that like paid attention to like what are the things that naturally allow kindness to arise you know and and really cultivate those um then the next one's abandon the the opposite <laughs> you know yeah yeah kate I just want to thank you for your talk and, and thank everyone for their comments. I really like that this talk, sometimes when equanimity comes to mind, I think about it as like the absence of this thing on this side and the other thing on the other side, like it's a negative space or something, but you had so much to say about what actually builds up to the point of greeting things with equanimity. There was so mm -hmm. much in your talk about practices to do and sort of, um, frames of mind to be cultivating so it was like it's, it's not a negative space at all it's not the absence of here and there it's it there's a lot there's a lot in that space so thank you so much welcome thank you yeah uh karen um, well, I'll just mention briefly that um, I was saying one of the things that helps me a little bit is because of what I teach, um, I read a lot of history and just keeping in mind that we are still a very young democracy. We're going through a lot of growing pains and connecting things back to history. I was just reading recently about how Buddhists and Christians merged in Alexandria around the second century. And that um, there are scholars who think that Christ's parables were very possibly written as koans. Um, and I just, I just found this so fascinating that we just, you know, when somebody says, some, here's an absolute truth of something, you know, I, we don't know. I mean, connecting that with history and seeing how history cycles is, is that's very comforting to me. Thank you. Yeah, great points. Yeah, so maybe let's just close our eyes one more time and dedicate the merit. 
to the practice. So in those five powers, we talked a little bit about this, dedicating the merit, the aspiration, so all things is said are built upon on merit. So if we have a good deed, if we do a good deed, we cultivate merit in a certain direction. If we abandon a negative quality even for a moment, this creates merit. And this is a bit esoteric, but they say like even that the intention, we can be dedicating merit for ourselves and others just through intention. And whether this is true or not, it sure feels good to do so. And so here today, we can actually just set the intention that all beings everywhere through the goodness that we cultivated today, that they have a release in their suffering and they move towards freedom and enlightenment. May ourselves and all beings everywhere with that exception, and we all be happy and we all be free from suffering. Thank you again, everybody. Thanks, Casey. Have a good uh, Sunday. Good week, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thanks, everyone. Miss you all. Have a good week. Good to see you, Bob. See everybody. You have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.